comics are old. Really old. Comics are so old that they only continue to exist because they're tradition, not because they're relevant to society. Comics are so old that we have to show them how their TV remote works every week. There's also the teeny tiny matter of the number of comics that have been made. If we stacked every comic that has ever been produced on top of one another to see how far into space it could reach, we would definitely suffocate whilst trying. More comics have been made than the number of evil faces Jackie Chan has kicked. How can you tell if a face is evil? The eyebrows are at an angle that's more acute. But your eyebrows are also cute. Are you evil? Oh boy. I'm Michael Garvey Eckett. I'm Robin Harmon. I'm Amy Garvey Eckett. I'm Adam Sharif, and we are your online listicle writers at Comic Book Classroom. The podcast which condenses comic book history into a fun format to be the lighthouse guiding your way to safety through the stormy seas that are comics. This time on Comic Book Classroom, we'll be studying Superman. Walking there, or showering there? Saying, but I already know about Superman. And chances are, you do. The character is an icon across the world, and facts about him are embedded in pop culture knowledge. Almost everyone knows the origin. Doomed planet. Desperate scientists. Last hope. Kindly couple. He's defined an archetype and stereotype. The one that almost every superhero since has been a reaction to. If you're a kid who throws a sheet around your neck and pretends to fly, everyone knows, at a glance, that you're a superhero. But you're really emulating one in particular. And we wouldn't have had decades of underwear on the outside jokes if he hadn't been designed with those circus strongman trunks. We have touched on the differences between comics from 80 years ago and now before. Specifically long-running titles like superhero comics that stick around longer than a vampire cat with all of its lives intact. The culture back then for throwing everything at the wall and seeing what the audience reacts to during a medium's infancy versus creators having to act within established genre conventions with characters that are tightly controlled intellectual property belonging to multimedia companies. We also inhabit a world where the biggest blockbusters are based on these superhero characters. And alongside that, you have comics readers. Like us! Insisting that the best way for these to work is if they don't divert from the source material. Oh, not like us. Because superhero adaptations are not new. There was a time in the late 30s and early 40s, during this wibbly-wobbly period in comics history where facts were nebulous, that these adaptations were being produced and they had to make stuff up. And those things stuck. They informed one another and the culture built on itself. So now there are these things which we consider fundamental to the Superman mythos, which were brought into the comics, but they didn't actually start there at all. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, debuting in Action Comics number one in May 1938. And only seven months later, he started appearing in a daily newspaper comic strip. These comic strips featured the first appearance of a bald Lex Luthor. If you have to draw a comic every day, you start figuring out what you can cut. Like his hair. Yes, that's the joke. Whilst the comic books had established that Superman was the survivor of a doomed distant planet, the world of Krypton had barely been explored. I think you mean the world of unnamed planet because it was these strips that named the planet Krypton. The baby Kal-El and his parents Jor-El and Laura. Her name was updated to Lara and the spelling of the surname L changed from dash L to dash E-L in a 1942 novel. Wait, we have to read books with out pictures now? But it's a good thing that these characters were developed. Because where would Superman be without the wisdom of Jor-El?
feeble minds. Jorel, honey, there's a lot of banging coming from your lab. My science torium. You're that. Is everything okay? Those fools on the council have failed to heed my warnings. And now, Krypton is about to explode. Did they say that there's no evidence that this is man-made and it's all part of a natural cycle of the planet exploding and then reforming again? We cannot entrust our lives to people of faith and military. Only I, a man of logic and science, can do the one sensible thing left. Which is... I'm going to put our baby in a rocket and shoot him through a wormhole. And that's your only plan? I have calculated the time-space equations and he should end up on a planet very, very far away. Our baby? Kal-El. How will a baby even bring help? He can't even talk. It's too late for help. All we can do is save the last hope of our species. Just him. Wouldn't it perhaps make more sense if you saved maybe two, and then perhaps there could be a third? Are you following me? I don't follow. I lead. Okay. Uh, remember how we didn't have a baby, and then we did something to make that baby? Did I build him from science? No, dear. Oh. <laughs> I see. But for another rocket, I'll need more crypto materials, more cryptocurrency. Honey, the cryptocurrency isn't worth anything anyway. Yes, now the planet is almost destroyed, our cryptocurrency seems pointless. So a second rocket. Yes. And we'll put his cousin in it. That's not what I- And a third! With the dog. Oh, help me. It's okay to cry, Lara. (laughs) I will miss him too, but he will be safe. No, I'm crying because this is the last conversation I'll ever have. A radio serial, The Adventures of Superman, started airing from February 1940. At this point, there'd been only a little over 20 issues of Superman published. But comics at the time were incredibly popular, and kids were ready to be bombarded with Superman from all angles. And if you didn't know who Superman was, there was a pithy introduction to grab your attention. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Words to this day that are recognised the world over and that we still associate with the character. And not just because we're all collectively confused about the man who's very excited at the prospect of seeing a bird. You would be too if you saw a human-shaped bird wearing a cape and stopping crimes. And the words became more embedded in the public consciousness surrounding Superman as it was used in the opening of the television show which began broadcasting in 1952. The radio show aired between three and five times a week. Which is ridiculous because we've proved the most you need to produce to be successful is one episode a month. Cough. Thus, the producers needed to find a way to give Superman's actor a break. They needed a way to incapacitate Superman and have a fill-in actor groan in pain. If only Superman had a weakness. Cough. The radio show introduced Kryptonite. The irradiated remains of Krypton that have fallen to Earth which weaken and could even kill Superman. Kryptonite is like if my lovely Irish wife could only be harmed by irradiated potatoes. That basically happened. Or if English people could only be harmed by irradiated colonialism. 
apparently the worst thing you can do to some people is point out their own racism. So that one might track. Yeah, I guess kryptonite makes more sense than we thought. The radio show even has the honour of having Batman and Superman meet each other for the first time. Oh, do they start punching each other for no reason? Nope. Batman and Robin help Superman track down some kryptonite. Weird. The show also introduced some new beloved characters. It changed the name of the newspaper Clark Kent works at to the Daily Planet, and that's stuck ever since. And filled the newsroom with editor Perry White and copyboy Jimmy Olsen. There's an unnamed office boy in Action Comics, but the beginnings of Jimmy's character as we know it start on the radio. And the Daily Planet has been fueling Superman stories ever since. Lane, how's that article coming along? I think I have the perfect headline, Chief. The hunt is on. Can Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Lois Lane finally reveal the secret identity of the Man of Steel, Superman? Not even his hunky reflexes can outsmart Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Lois Lane in this expose. Headlines are usually snappier, Lane. You know, Lois, maybe you're closer to discovering his identity than you think. Maybe it's staring you in the face. What about the pictures to go with it? Jeez, Mr. White, I sure got some good snaps whilst I was out in the field. It's bananas. Surely you can believe Jimmy is an excellent photographer by now. No, the pictures, they're all of bananas. Oh boy, Chief, those must have been from when my brain was switched with a gorilla's. I'll, I'll find the other film. You know, I'm sure you'll figure it out, Lois. Maybe the answer is right in front of you. Kent, stop standing in front of Lane. I'm trying to talk to her. How many R's are there in desirable? Lois, did you know there are the same number of R's in Clark Kent and Superman? One R! It's one is, Jimmy. Who taught you grammar? Great Caesar's ghost. And how many L's are in titillating? Lois, did you know there are the same number of L's in Clark Kent and Superman? That's, uh, it's not true, Clark. As in Clark Kent and Sluperman, which is his alien name. How do we ever get a newspaper out? Most of the time we don't, Chief, but it's print journalism, so no one notices. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. The opening of the Flesher Studios produced Superman cartoons summarized his powers in a way we still use. The words were instantly iconic and began to be used in the radio show and eventual live-action television show, preceding the talk of planes and being confused by birds. Michael, why are you obsessed with the bird man? Because that man was my father and he didn't even recognise me when I dressed as a bird! When you dressed as- Leave it! Whilst the show's intro efficiently encapsulated Superman's abilities at the time, the animators weren't happy with him only being able to jump long distances. It didn't look great in motion. So they requested a change. The so-called creatives always making changes to something that already works. What if he could fly? Oh. Yes. It's true that the power that springs to mind for most people when they picture Superman was given to him so he would look better when in motion. The opening narration is also the first place we hear Clark Kent referred to as mild-mannered. And, on top of that, the cartoon made some key contributions to the visual iconography associated with the character. It's the first time we see Superman change inside a telephone booth. For any younger listeners who don't know what a telephone booth is, 
Imagine you didn't have a mobile phone and the only way to advertise your webcam shows was um, with a card in a public place. Superman's S-shield was a part of the costume from his first appearance where it looked more like a police badge. Shortly after, the shield became triangular. But it was the Fleischer shorts that created the design that was a diamond shape. Which is the way it's remained ever since. I guess diamonds are an alien superhero's best friend. When Superman the movie was being made in 1978, Marlon Brando, who portrayed Jor-El, came up with the idea to have the S-shield be worn by his character, thus making it a symbol of the House of El, akin to a coat of arms. Which may certainly be a method actor overthinking things a little bit, but it's now an established part of the mythos. All of these things started in media outside of comic books, but are now what we think of as core parts of the character. And who knows what will happen next. This episode of Comic Book Classroom was written by Michael Eckett and Amy Garvey and is produced by Robin Harmon. Music is written and performed by Tisheridans. Our logo was created by Blair Inglis. For more information and to see what we're up to, you can find us on Twitter as at comicbookclass, on Instagram as comicbook underscore classroom, and you can email us at classroomcomicbook at gmail.com. New episodes come out monthly, and you can subscribe to them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast supplier of choice. Join us next time on Comic Book Classroom as we go higher, further, and faster with Captain Marvel.